Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everyone. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me. Let's jump into the Word. We're in a portion of the Scripture. It's one of my favorite portions. seems like I say that all the time. I know. But there are certain ones that have just drawn my attention through the years. And uh, this right here is a biggie. Uh, Because of the subject matter that it deals with, because of how important it is, the proper understanding of that subject. If you remember the last episode, we're looking at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And verse 1 said this, Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. So speaking of the coming of the Lord, is speaking of our gathering together with him that ye not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Now you notice something here, that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him is linked to the day of the Lord. Okay, it's linked to the day of the Lord, just in this one sentence right here. And you actually see that in Scripture. You find out that the rapture of the church is actually the event which initiates the day of the Lord's wrath being poured out upon mankind. The day of the Lord is initiated by the rapture of the church. And you remember that Paul was telling him, don't be quickly shaken from your composure. Don't be disturbed. And then the various ways that they were being disturbed by a spirit, that somebody was popping up and giving a prophetic utterance or something like that, or by a message, somebody was teaching or preaching something that was in error, or by a letter as if from us. You know, it's interesting because this looks like a strategy, doesn't it? It looks like a strategy that somebody was seeking to undermine the truths that Paul had told him. And so how do I know that Paul told him that? When just a minute in verse five, he says, don't you remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things. So he had told him these things, but something was coming against the truth that they had. And it wasn't just a uh, one point. It was a multi-pointed attempt to bring this truth down. It's obviously to me uh, an attack by the evil one. So Paul continues, verse three of chapter two, second Thessalonians, let no one in any way deceive you. It is so important, folks, to just take these portions of these sentences, these phrases, and just meditate upon it. Let no one in any way deceive you. There's going to be an attempt to deceive those that are true believers. But we're told to not be deceived. Jesus says this when he started answering the questions that were asked of him in Matthew 24 in what we call the Olivet Discourse. Remember, four of the disciples came to him and said, when will these things occur and what will be the sign of your coming again and of the end of the age? And the first thing that Jesus said was, see to it that no one deceive you. Here Paul is saying, let no one in any way deceive you. We have a role. We have a responsibility. We have the ability empowered by the Holy Spirit to be not deceived. You know, we want to place it upon somebody else and say, well, this is what I was taught. This is what I thought. I've always heard this. I've always heard that. No, we don't do that. We have a role and a responsibility. And through the power of the Spirit and with His Word and with the body of Christ, there is no need to be deceived. So he says, let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. Um, 
that the phrase, the word, it will not come, is actually not in the Greek language. You'll see it in the English. I'm looking at it right now. Anytime in the English translations when you see words in italics, that means that those words are not in the language that we have, the original language, but they're put in the language that it's translated into to help us understand what is meant. So that's useful to what we know is happening. Well, what will not come unless the apostasy comes first? Okay. Well, the day of the Lord. Okay. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ are gathering together to him the day of the Lord. And that's the reason it's so important to see what's being said in those first two verses, how the coming of the Lord are gathering together him is linked to the day of the Lord, the day of God's wrath. It will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Now, the rest of the sentence, which goes in the next verse, <clears throat> gives us details about this man of lawlessness. But first, let's just look at some. He says, make sure that nobody deceives you. For it, the day of the Lord, the coming of our Lord, our gathering together with him, will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And so it's, it's a falling away. Well, falling away from what? Apostasy from what? You know, I used to think two or three or four different things about this. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Haven't we all, right? And um, I'm going to tell you where I am right now, and I want to reserve judgment to be incorrect about this, okay? Because uh, that word apostasy is interesting. It means falling away, falling away. And so apparently there's going to be a falling away, but it just causes it a falling away. A lot of times people say, oh, it's a falling away from the faith. Well, it doesn't say a falling away from the faith, from the sense of those that are true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the problem I always have when people say that, oh, uh, they would say something like, well, there's going to be a huge portion of the body of Christ who are believers, but they're going to fall away from the faith. I don't think that's true. Those who are truly saved, now hear me carefully here, those who are truly saved are kept by the Lord Jesus Christ, are kept by the Lord, okay? We are kept by him. And so he's the one that's going to be watching over us. That does not mean that we cannot choose to sin. Okay, we can choose to sin. We can choose to quench the spirit. But we're kept by him. There will be a huge portion of the professing body of Christ that will walk away. But the ones that walk away were never saved. John deals with that in 1 John. He said, don't be upset about those who, who have left us. If they were of us, they would have stayed with us. And so you have that element, but that's not true apostasy. Because true apostasy, you have to truly believe to fall away from the faith. Those who are walking away that are in the church that didn't really believe, they're false professors, okay? In other words, their profession was not really unto salvation. And, you know, some people may call that a form of apostasy, but that's not true apostasy. Because to turn away from something, you really have to believe it. You have to believe it. So, you know, what is it that makes sense about this? What I'm inclined to think right now is that what's being spoken of here is speaking of the Jewish people and the nation of Israel, that they will commit apostasy, that they will turn away from God and will turn because they believe in God. They believe in God, but they don't believe that Jesus is Messiah, that he's Yeshua HaMashiach. So they're not saved. They believe in God and they have faith there. But many of them are going to turn and turn to the man of lawlessness. And turn to the Antichrist. The world will turn to the man of lawlessness and turn to the Antichrist. And many Jewish people will turn too. So I'm thinking that the that that's what's going to be going on right here. 
will there be people in the church that claim to be believers and that key leaders in the church that will turn away, turn away and walk away? Oh, yeah. But they were never saved. So regardless, there's going to be some form of apostasy that's going to take place. And he told him this. He said, don't let anyone deceive you, for the day of the Lord is not going to come until this apostasy occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Now, look at these points about the man of lawlessness very quickly. He's going to be revealed. Then he says, the son of destruction, verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. So this man of lawlessness, this is the Antichrist. He's the son of destruction. He opposes and he exalts himself above every worldly God, and he takes his seat in the temple of God. And that's the reason that a lot of people say, the temple of God has to be rebuilt before this happens. Well, that may be true. It may need to be. Well, that sort of uh, uh, destroys the eminency doctrine that you hear so much in the church that the Lord could return at any given moment. Well, not until temple's building. But a temple does not have to be the Solomon temple proper or the Herod temple proper. It could be the Mosaic tabernacle. Regardless of what he does, he's going to be displaying himself as God. Then verse 5, do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things. Paul had told them many things related to this. The Lord has told us many, many, many. We need to know it to where we will not be deceived in any way. Again, I'm Dale, and I'll see you again next time.